Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. Yeah, so I do. I want to get right into uh, the overall subject of this new series, which we're calling, uh, or which is based on spiritual breakthrough. Obviously, you see on the screens, we're, we're talking about how we are destined for breakthrough, and not just even spiritually, but the Lord wants to give that to us emotionally, physically, uh, mentally. He wants us to be able to walk in freedom. Uh, Pastor Juwan's going to be preaching and speaking from his heart the second half of this message today. I'm going to share about our recent decision with the spiritual formation position that went out to all of you, either in email or letter form, uh, in just a few minutes. But I want to get us started down the path of breakthrough first, and then we're going to transition into that in a few minutes. Uh, today, this very specific area that we're going to look at it's spirit for uh, destined for breakthrough is on faith, trust, and God's will. And we received over 250 responses from you last week. So that, that it's, I don't know if that was like 60% of the individuals that were in this room, which is quite high for a size of, of a room with the people here to respond. So I really appreciate you responding that way. Now, faith and trust in God's will were three different categories, but it deals with the same thing because it's, it's faith in what God's doing in your life. It's trusting that he's going to take you along the right path. And obviously we're seeking God's will in all of that. So we put that together. Those, all three of those areas were in the highest percentage of categories that were submitted last Sunday. I said it last week, I'm gonna to continue to say it, that we were created to live a life of ongoing breakthrough. God did not create us to become his child, to just sludge through life and to just try to get by and just hope that it works out the next day. He actually created us that when the enemy attacks, or that when we start talking down on ourselves or when somebody else starts treating us in a way that they shouldn't be in an ungodly way, he's actually designed us spiritually to experience breakthrough and an attack comes and breakthrough and an attack comes and breakthrough. We know that life isn't just gonna be easy all the time when we become a Christian and everything's gonna be smooth sailing. So because it's not gonna be smooth sailing, because we're going to face resistance, then obviously it's his will for us to experience that breakthrough so that we can live the abundant life that Jesus called us to live. So I actually believe any hindrance, weakness, roadblock, uh, stronghold, any hesitation that is limiting you from doing what God has called you to do, I actually believe it's God's will for you to experience breakthrough in every single one of those situations. I want to show you in uh, a few verses in the book of Micah. This is a prophecy. It's going to be on the screen, but you can look it up as well. It's Old Testament here, and it's a prophecy that is discussing future deliverance and restoration of Israel, who was God's people. So we know decades of slavery and captivity, exile, spiritual dryness. This is a prophetic word going forward, foretelling, foretelling what is going to happen to God's people. So starting in chapter 2, verse 12, I'm just going to read two verses here. He says, I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. The place will throng with people. Verse 13 says, one who breaks open the way will go before them. Some translations, I forget if it was the English Standard Version or one of the King James, either the new original, says the breaker will go up before them. Who are they talking about here? What's this verse talking about? 
This is the Lord. It's an Old Testament prophecy speaking forward to Jesus. So it's the one who breaks open. And in some of your translations say, the breaker. This is another name for God. This is another name for Jesus, our Lord. He is the breaker. So it says here, one who breaks open the way will go before them. And then what happens? Because the breaker has gone before them to break open the way, it says here, they will break through the gate and go out. Of course, meaning out of that slavery, out of that exile, out of everything that has been holding them back from the destiny that God always had for them. The breaker goes forth and breaks open, and then they can go forth and break through the gate. I want you to see in the wording here, who's breaking it open? Say the Lord. Yeah, the verse says it right here. The breaker, the one who breaks open the way is going before us. So God is breaking open. What are we doing? What are the people of Israel doing here? They are breaking through the doorway that God has already broken open to us. There's such a revelation in these verses because a lot of times when we're struggling through things and when we're looking at ways to discern God's will and ways to have faith in him and ways to trust in him, we try to take our own steps in our own timing. We try to do things our own way because the problem is seeming very heavy right now. The Bible's not saying that we're the ones that are breaking the situation open. It says the breaker is the one who's breaking the situation open so we can break through what he's already opened. So if we catch that from the beginning, God, Lord, you are the breaker. You are the God of the breakthrough. He's the one that breaks open the way so that we can break through the open doors. And then Jesus comes with a very similar message. It was prophesied about in Isaiah 61, and then in Luke, Jesus actually reads from this. Isaiah 61 it's prophesying about Jesus himself with the same anointing as the Lord of the breakthrough in Micah. He says it a little bit differently. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me or on me because the Lord has anointed me, talking about Jesus, to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. How many of you know that's a breakthrough, right? Him binding up brokenhearted is a breaking out. He's breaking that situation of someone's life so they can see breakthrough in a healed heart. He says to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Look at those two phrases. To proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. So when a captive is freed against the will of the enemy, what's that called? It's a breakout, right? If a captive breaks through and is freed, against the will of the enemy, they just broke out. And how many of you know they can't break out with assistance? Something happens to happen to the chains and the locks that are on those bars for them to actually get out. So back to Micah is the breaker, the one who breaks is actually breaking that lock in somebody's heart and somebody's spirit that they can break through the open doors and no longer be held captives. And then that next phrase there, to release from darkness for the prisoners. Well, they're going from darkness into what? Light. So who's the one that can do that? 
God does that by impressing upon our hearts to repent of our sins, right? For prisoners in our own sin, prisoners of war, basically. It's a spiritual war. So he allows for the breakout to happen, that we realize we're sinners, that we're following Jesus for the very first time, and then we can break through from darkness into light. It can also happen in your Christian walk, too. Maybe some of you have, have succumbed to addiction. Maybe some of you have succumbed to strongholds that we're going to talk about. We got a lot of responses about finances. We're going to talk about relationships and family next week. So there's something in your life that you feel like you're a prisoner of. What we're looking at for these next four or five weeks is the God of the breakthrough, understanding it is his absolute and perfect will for you to see victory in that area. And Jesus even says when he read out of Isaiah, I'm the one that was anointed to bring this message. His entire ministry was about breakthrough. Think about that. Every person he touched that got healed, breakthrough. Every person who was afflicted and possessed by a demon that he cast out. How many of you know that's a breakthrough day for that person? Every person, even like Zacchaeus, it was taught on during Declare. When he looks and there's repentance and he's saying, listen, I'm giving the money back. I'm giving uh, money, I'm four, I think it's fourfold, of anybody that I've wronged. That's breakthrough for Zacchaeus. Today, salvation has come to this house. Jesus's life was about breakthrough. It was about allowing a people that God has chosen to be called his own to walk in freedom from sin, freedom from the attack of the enemy. I'm not saying they're not going to come, but it's freedom from that attack when it does come. We're destined for this breakthrough because we were predestined to be his children. I think if we catch this, that God chose us before we ever chose him, then we'll, re we'll continue to realize, wait a minute, you wanted me to be you wanted me to be your child more than I wanted to be your son. How could he not want his child? Like, how many of you would say, I want my child to be sick, miserable, unlearned, and poor their whole life? Well, okay, not sick, but poor, yeah. Well, no, go to, go to a nice college and get an education, but miserable, Okay. Can we stop problems from coming into our children's lives? No. Do we want our child to see success and victory in every single problem and challenge that comes their way? Yes. Are we better than God? No. So if we catch a revelation, he wanted us to be his children before we ever wanted to be his child, then we'll know he wants us to see breakthrough. In Ephesians chapter one, starting at verse four, it says that he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So God chose us in Christ before the world was ever created to be holy and blameless in his sight. It says, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship or daughtership through, Christ, or through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So before the earth was ever formed, it was his idea that you would be called sons and daughters of the Most High God, that you would stand holy and blameless in His sight. And it brings Him pleasure because it's His will for it to happen this way. 
Now, there's a false belief out there of predestination, meaning God predestined certain people to become his children. So he's looking over, or actually the world wasn't even created yet, and he says, at some day, Central Assembly of God will have four sections in their sanctuary. And when they do, I'm choosing section A, great job, and section C, sorry, B and D, you're, you're, you're not coming with me. Some people think that, that's pre, that's, that, that that word is predestination. That's not predestination. God doesn't do that. He's saying, before I've ever even created the place where people will walk, I'm choosing that it is my pleasure and my will, God speaking, that every single person that would look to me would become my child. Predestined just means he chose us first. He didn't not choose someone. It's his will that none should perish. Don't ever disqualify yourself from being a Christian and don't disqualify yourself from breakthrough. It's not you. He chose you. It's his will, his pleasure, his purpose that you would be his child. So because of that, it's his will, his pleasure, and his purpose that you see breakthrough when trouble comes, when obstacles come, when strongholds seem to have a tight grip on you. It's actually God's will for you to be released from that. He wants his kids free. He wants his kids healthy. He wants his kids provided for. I believe he wants his kids more than provided for so they can provide for other people who haven't caught that revelation yet and they're struggling. Like, I, I still eat candy, so I can't say I'm walking in this yet. <laughs> But what if believers started walking in divine health so that we were strong enough and healthy enough to bring divine healing to those who were sick and lost? Or what if we were walking in true biblical prosperity? I'm not talking about like we got gold watches up our, our wrist. If we were walking in true biblical prosperity, provided, provided for and then more than enough so that we could actually care for the widows and the orphans and those who desperately need a financial miracle in their life. Like what if we were walking in a constant lifestyle of breakthrough so that when somebody else, another Christian or a lost person was struggling to find breakthrough, we would be the answer to prayer. So instead of saying, God, I need you, I, I need the breakthrough. Say, God, you're the breaker. Who can I be the breakthrough for? Like that would be amazing. In John 16, Jesus says this, in this world, you will have trouble. We don't like that part of the verse. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So trouble can be defined differently based on who you talk to, right? Some people say, hey, I'm plowing through this problem and another problem comes. They say, this is the biggest thing we've ever faced. But I think what Jesus wants us to understand is it was prophesied that he is the breaker. He's the breaker anointing. He's the God of the breakthrough who happens to be the overcomer. And because we're in him and he's the overcomer, guess what we become? Overcomers. In fact, the Bible says elsewhere that we are more than conquerors, which means it really doesn't matter who wins the Super Bowl and who becomes the world champions. We're already world champions. Like we've been given the trophy already. Right? So we could step back and say, wait a minute. Uh, you know, you, if you sound prideful saying that, I'm, I'm, more than, I'm more than a conqueror and I'm an overcomer because of Christ. Remember, it's him. He's the breaker. He's the one that breaks out. And then you break through what he just broke out. So when trouble comes, our eyes have to go on Jesus. We were never meant to focus on the problems in our life. I, I struggle with it at times. 
You might too. A problem seems to be a lot louder and brighter in our face. So we're hearing about it, we're looking at it, and it's like, this is the problem. We, we, our soul, our brain isn't designed to focus on that. We talked about that in our words all through Declare. We're actually not wired by God to focus on problems. We're wired that when a problem comes, we focus on Him. And then we're looking and praying and thinking about all the ways He can break through in our situation and break out in our situation. And eventually, we see victory over those problems. So when it comes to faith, trusting, God's, uh, trusting God and it's God's will for a situation, it can be hard at times because we unintentionally look at our own ability to discern what he's doing instead of resting in him until he shows us the way, right? How many of you have done that before? I mean, you get anxious because you need a breakthrough. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna pray for 30 seconds and I'm gonna work really hard for the next three hours to get myself out of this problem. Instead of if we would just like flip it and say like, I can feel it inside, right? Have you ever done that? Like when you, you kneel down to pray and you can like feel your soul is like going and churning and it's like, this is not a healthy place. Like what if we just shut down the rest of our day and stayed in that place until our soul slowed down so we could actually hear what God was saying and then we're not striving. We're just walking in the breakthrough that he's already providing for us. With that, then our faith gets ignited. It becomes more fun to see God work. We can trust in him more because we have more testimonies. Because a lot of times, if we're trying to do it in our own and we're not resting, he's providing these breakthroughs. And, and at the end of the day, you just go, I'm happy I survived that day. I'm gonna go to the next day and try really hard again. And God's like, wait a minute. I actually broke out in, in here, but you didn't recognize that. So you didn't give me credit for that. And now you're missing a testimony to write down. So the next time it comes, you can look back and say, oh, God has done this for me already. He truly is the breaker. Someone who has done this with excellence in the past, and I believe is doing it right now, is Pastor Juwan. Uh, most, if not all of you, have received either an email or a letter. If you're a part of our regular Sunday morning, you've received it discussing the position of the pastor of spiritual formation being removed from our adult ministry team, the responsibilities of this role getting distributed to the other uh, adult ministry pastors. I'm not going to get into the details of the decision since you've had an opportunity to read over it. Uh, if you haven't received uh, a uh, communication, if by any chance you can go to the information center, I believe they have some back there. If not, write your name down and we'll get it to you uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, Pastor Juan and his family, they have been a huge blessing to this church for the past three and a half years. He has discipled many of you sitting in this room today. And you know from his opportunities to preach and share, he's a solid, solid uh, Bible teacher. He discipled Adam and myself when he first came on. I threw one of the curriculums and I told him he's one of the best Bible teachers that I've, I've sat in in that small setting. Lynn, his wife, you've seen her worshiping with passion up here uh, uh, in, during the worship times. She has a huge heart for children. If you've ever been a part of our pre-service prayer when she was back there, she goes after God. Humble behind the scenes, but she has a, a great passion for God. And you'll follow it down, their entire family, fully involved in ministry. Melody, who's away at college right now, you've seen her worship up here and just how she is learning more and more how to host the presence of God and flow in the spirit, helping out with things like VBS as well. Charity, fully involved. I think she's serving in children's even today, uh, involved with VBS. You'd see her back in the sound booth as well. Nathaniel serving in the sound booth back here for big church, even as a middle school or as a high schooler in the sound booth, and then also at The Rock, helping out with tech. And then the, uh, their oldest son, Jonathan, he's been away at college the whole time they've been here, so you may have just seen him. I've had a chance to meet him just a few times, but they've been 
even pleasant times to talk with him. But if you, as you hear news like this, it's normal to have certain reactions, right? So it will most likely going to come as a surprise at first, and then you'll quickly form your own opinion. This is what I want to do is I want to encourage you during decisions like this is to prohibit the enemy from causing division. So how you do that is you choose to avoid gossiping and you choose to take thoughts captive and avoid false assumptions when decisions like these are made. I, I put a verse uh, in here that will allow us, and it was in, in the letter that will allow us to honor Pastor Juwan and his family and honor the unity of our church family at the same time. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, it says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with one another. It says, let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in one thought and purpose. How many of you know that's breakthrough, right? When a very difficult decision like this has to be made and your heart starts going somewhere, then God wants to break through in that situation so there's peace. It's not wrong and it's not divisive to admit that these decisions create tension. And if I can admit to you, I've been a part of churches in the past and I would say the majority of churches operate more like a business than they do a family. So when these decisions come, they don't talk about it from the platform. Let's get out of this as quickly as possible. Let's act like nothing's wrong. Let's act like there's no, no tension that's created. For us to be a healthy family, we need to come face-to-face -face with these situations. Decisions have been made. There's been much prayer, much thought, much discussion about it. And then what we want to do is actually work these things out, like talk about it. That's why I asked Pastor Juan to come. He's going to share uh, from his heart the entire second half of this message today. We're not hiding that it created tension. We love the family. We care for them. And we want to be able to say, hey, we're trying to operate and express ourselves as the family of God. We don't want to be a family that says, no, 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 it's very uncomfortable, but we're just going to admit that it doesn't exist. And if you're uncomfortable right now, that's okay, because you might be from a family that wants to do that. We're not going to do that here. We're just going to lay it out there, and it's here, and we're going to watch as the Lord moves in the Juan family. One speculation that the Lord told me clearly to address to the church body today that may enter people's mind during these decisions is this. Yeah, I know what Pastor Kurt and the elders wrote, but what is really going on behind the scenes? So I'm, I'm gonna answer that question. I'm not saying it's bad that you ask that question. It's natural if you are in control of other things in life for you to say what's going on behind the scenes. So I'm gonna share briefly what is not going on behind the scenes. There are no secret motives going on behind the scenes. This is not to make room in the budget for an incoming youth pastor. This is not to pay for our bills. This is not because Juwan and I have a troubled relationship. We've actually had a very good working relationship the entire time. You see how quiet it got right now? Everybody's like, what is he about to say? Do you not have these uncomfortable conversations with your family that you love and you care for? What I explained in our letter is as clear as we can be. There was much more prayer than you could ever imagine before a decision like this was made. If you've asked yourself what is really going on behind the scenes, I'd like to share some things that have been going on behind the scenes. The elders and I have been diligent behind the scenes to respect and honor Pastor Juan during this process. Pastor Juan and I have had two very productive and unified meetings behind the scenes in the last two weeks that you may not know about, sharing about potential opportunities, God's calling, and much more. In fact, I learned several new things just talking to him in the last two weeks, and we've worked together for three and a half years. We've remained in a strong relationship 
There's no anger or division between us. He's graciously shared very specific prayer points that I won't share with you if he wants to, that's fine. But I've already committed to pray for them daily. I've communicated with him the elders' commitment to continue to financially support the Juans for the near future during this transition. We've agreed to have the Juan family continue to live where they have been for the past three and a half years in the parsonage, which is right next door, but you'll be able to come and support them and bless them as the Lord leads you. One of the most honoring things that has happened behind the scenes, and he wouldn't admit it to you, is he asked if he could continue his Tuesday night discipleship group, which he has with several people uh, for the foreseeable future. I thought that was one of the most honorable things that, that somebody could do in this situation to say, I love discipleship. This is my life. Let me continue to plow on. And he's going to continue uh, to do that. So I know that because these types of transitions are out of your control and out of your hands, they can evoke emotion and so on. I just want to assure you that God is in this. And God's going to do good things with the Juan family. So what I'm going to do, we're going to take a, a brief break from the message. I'm going to ask any of the Juan family that's here at this time to come forward. I want to pray over you guys. I'm going to ask our elders and pastors to come forward. In fact, you guys can stand, stretch your legs for a minute. We're going to reach our hands out. I'm going to bring a microphone down. So if any of our pastors, spouses, or elders feel like you have a word from the Lord uh, to pray over them, uh, you are free to do that. In fact, Phyllis or Brawlers, if you guys feel like you have a word or whatever, you're just going to come up and... uh... You guys okay? I want you to pray for them as we pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Yeah, Father, just like we've just spoken over these past few moments, we just, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the Juwan family. We thank you, Father, for the anointing that is upon your life, on their life. We thank you for the giftings that you've given them. We thank you for the callings that you've given them. I know that it was your will that they came when they came. I know, Father, that Juwan and Lynn and all of their children that served here added value to this church. So we recognize you for that ministry of the Juwan family. We thank you, Father, for allowing both he and Lynn to reignite a passion for prayer and intercession and passion for God and for discipleship, God, and growing disciples and Lynn's passion for children. God, I thank you for the mind that you have given Nathaniel and Melody and Charity and Jonathan, Father. We thank you, God, that you are working through Pastor Juan and Lynn to impart to their children. And Father, now we just declare great destiny, great purpose, the best season ahead for them in Jesus' name. I thank you that you've brought him through situations where they've had radical faith to rely on you for everything. And we thank you that you've never failed. You've always brought them through. You've always broke through in their lives. And we declare you're going to do it once again. Father, I pray that they would actually feel a physical demonstration, a physical manifestation of your love. Every night they lay down and every morning they wake up. They would actually feel like there is a blanket of the presence of God over them. So when next decisions are unsure, when, they're, when they might just be looking down different paths, different opportunities, they'll actually feel your love upon them and then they'll know which direction to go. Father, we do commit them to you. We know that you have their best, in, uh, best intentions in mind for their life. In Jesus' name. Does anybody want to share? I don't want to force anything, Phyllis, you do. Just stay in an attitude of prayer, guys. The place I'm calling you to is lush and green. The grass is tall. It is thick. 
It has been well fertilized. It is a place where I need you to be. The people there need you, and you need them. It will be a place of great blessing. There shall be no despair at what you are leaving here. It has been a time of blessing for you as a family and for us as a church family to have you. But there is new, new, new ahead of you. And you are well prepared to walk in it. Pastor Juwan, I see the word greatness over you. Greatness comes from serving, and you are such a servant of the Lord. And God is bringing you from this time into a new time, and a new time of greatness. You'll still be serving, but there'll be a greatness that comes along with that. For not just you, but for you and your wife and your family. They will all gleam from that. It's like a legacy being left. They will gleam from the greatness that is going to be bestowed upon you because of what you do for the Lord. Lynn, for specifically for you, the things that you have treasured in your heart, the Lord has spoken to you specifically. The Lord will give you a mouthpiece to say it. The Lord will say to you, now, now is the time, Lynn, you will say you will speak boldly and strongly to the masses. The Lord will give you specific times and places where you will have a platform to speak. The Lord has given you children and children, a childlike faith, but the Lord will give you a new place, a new boldness, a new platform to speak from. The Lord has given you so much buried into your heart, but now he will give you file folders and papers and, and places to speak, a new place, a new place, the Lord says, where you will go, you will walk, and you will have a new strength, a broadness of shoulder, a straightness of back, and the Lord says, I will give you, I will open wide your mouth, and I will fill it, saith the Lord, and you will have a new place to speak from. All right, if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen, amen. amen. You could be seated. Pastor John's going to come up, share his heart, and then we're going to pray for anybody who needs the same breakthroughs. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Cut and the staff and elders. Um, I'm going to share from my heart. Um, I told Pastor Cut one of the things that if I have given chance to share with you in it's easily during the decision-making that people will take offense, whether angry and everything, and you shouldn't. And so there's no ill feeling myself towards the eldership, the pastor, everything. You know, sometimes you hope for the future and you can see what's in front of you. But when you look back, you see God's hand in every part of the journey. And I just want to encourage you, Proverbs 21 said, The heart of the kings is the hand of the Lord. It's like a channel of water that He directs whatever He wishes. I understand one thing, that God is sovereign, meaning He is in control. Either He is or He's not. There's no in-between. Now, either God is everything is coincidence or everything is according to His will. Now, you can believe that it's everything coincidence or you believe God has purpose, and everything. Jeremiah said, when, he, when 
when, when Jeremiah, uh, God spoke to Jeremiah, before you were your in mother's womb, I already have a purpose and destiny for your life. Now, I don't know how are you, but I'm wired different. I'm wired to 24 years ago, I quit my secular job, and with my wife and pregnant with Jonathan, we just go all out to serve God. Have no clue what it's all about. Have no idea how to support my wife and my kids. We came here 24 years ago, uh, back to serve full-time ministry. All I, all I have is because I love God and I want to serve Him. That's all I want. It's God, I just want to serve you. It dawned on me one day, I have to provide for my wife and kids. Do you know when you are singles and college students, you go to Walmart, ramen noodles, a dollar for eight packets. You know, you, you, you come up with a creative way how to do it. You know, when you're single, that's fine. But when you have married with kids, that's a lot different story. And I remember one day, I was six months into, uh, I didn't do any ministry. All I did for the first six months, I just sought God. I just, I just spent in His presence. I go to His chamber. I just, that's all I do. I didn't do any ministry, any outreach, anything. All I did for six months, to develop my relationship with Jesus Christ. I encourage you, if you want to go to full-time ministry, the first thing is not to do ministry. The first thing is to spend time with God. It doesn't matter. You have to cultivate the relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, I understand this. We talk about trust, even today's topic, about breakthrough. The depthness of your trust in Jesus Christ, it has to depend on your intimacy with Christ. How intimate with you with Jesus Christ is how depth your faith and your trust in Him. If you have lack faith or trust in God, it's because you lack intimacy with Jesus Christ. Because the more you know God, the more you feel secure in Him. The more you know Him, the more you understand that He's with you. And the reason a lot of people walk in fear or lack of faith because they don't have the right perspective of who God is. And so you know, if you draw closer to Him, you know that He has your life in His palm of His hand and you know that He will direct you. As a believer, that's what you should do is to draw close to Him. So the first six months, I draw closer to God and dawn one day, one of my secretaries said, Pastor John, can you help me to drive uh, to help this professor whose wife just passed away and he's about to move away to a new city? I said, sure, I have nothing to do. Hey. So I said, sure. So I drove about three hours. It's a three-hour trip. And I, I, I wept all the way for three hours. And I'm pouring out my heart to God. One thing I know, man, we want to be tough. I know you want to be macho, everything. It's okay to cry. Jesus wept, so it's okay. So I cried for three and a half hours, pouring out my heart to Him. I said, God, you understand? I don't, at the time, I, there's no salary. I don't take salary. I live by faith. I don't send out newsletter, nothing. So every, every week, I have to depend on God to speak to someone or God gave money. I... There's no salary. So I'm, I'm crying out to God. I said, God, I can do it by myself, but I have a wife and kids coming along. I don't know how to do this. So I'm, I'm driving three hours away. I wet before God. I, I, 
I cry, I pour out everything, my, 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 my fear, my worriness, my anxiety. I, I, just, I just wept and wept and wept. On the way back, as we went back, um, halfway through the trip, the secretary said, hey, I forgot to give you something. She turned around, she gave me this envelope. In the envelope, there's $60. It's not about the money. The moment I opened the envelope, God spoke to me as clear as He can as I speak to you today. He said, from now on, I'll be your provider. I will provide for you. You know, we talk about breakthrough. That's a breakthrough. Just the peace of Christ just came and just brought me through everything. And so, so that, is, that is the beginning of my journey, trusting God in everything. Then serving for 20 years, and I felt that it's a season of life in my ministry. I felt that I couldn't take it further than it. And I, I, there's a new transition of new leadership, and I spent time with God, just talked with God, said, God, what is my next journey? And then God really spoke clearly as clear through one of my elders and confirmed the word. And I resigned my job without knowing where to go, what to do. I mean, there's no plan B. I don't know why God never gave me a plan B. It's only one plan, trusting in Him. You know, the Bible says in Book Psalm, the steps of the righteous are ordered by Him. You know, God said in Romans chapter 8, God said He works things for good for those who love Him and call by His name according to His purpose. And I believe that if you put yourself in God's way, because the first thing I say, God, all I want to do is to do Your will. I, I want to go where You want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. Right? It's scary when you pray that prayer, you put in that position because God remember it. He said, really? Oh, okay. And, and I think the way I wired different because, you know, Jack Ma, I'm not sure you know about Jack Ma. He's the, one of the billionaires in China. And uh, he said one thing, said, this is a wonderful quote, he said that, don't try to be the best. Try to be the first. Because there's only one best, there's only one Olympian. And none of us can be Olympian. But be the first. And I said, that is so true. I want to be the first in everything. First in stepping up by faith. First in breakthrough. First in things I never expected. I want to be the first. I want to be the first when I was appointed as missionary, national missionary by Assembly of God, that to be the first, I do not have to raise support. That the national office Springfield said, you can live by faith. We don't have to raise support to go to do your ministry. You live by faith. That's what I do. I live by faith. We have no money around. But God has faithfully provided. So when I step up by faith 20 years later, I said, God, okay, I have no plan. And then God brought me here. Now, it's interesting looking back at the journey. Why am I here? It is, it's, it's looking back, I understand why am I here? Where am I in this position? You go through all the emotions. Every one of us go through the emotion, Right? When we hear the first news, when news come in, shock, unbelief, and all this emotion. Because I think part of Christianity, you need to know something. Don't ever ignore the emotion that, 
that God given. It's God given emotion. Don't ignore it. Sometimes we try to be super Christian. This, like, that's not God. No, you have to deal with it. Right? I, w- I want you to, in Romans chapter 4, I want to read this. And it's, it's, it's the most powerful principle that I learned. In, I'm reading from NASB. And Romans chapter 4 is talking about Abraham. I, I don't know whether you know about Abraham. You know Abraham and um, God called him in Genesis 15 to go to another land, another place. And he has no idea where he's going and just obedience of God. And then God told Abraham that he will be the father of many nations where he himself do not have a flesh and blood children. So Romans chapter 4 Begin at verse 16 said, For this reason, it is by faith, in order that it may be accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all, the descendant not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And it is written, The father of many nations have I made you, in the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gave life to death and calls into being that which does not exist. That's something, I, I, I know that something like, that's something that you call, God will call into being that is not in existence to come to existence. In hope against hope, He believed so that He might become a father of many nations according to that which He has spoken, so shall those descendants be. Verse 8, 19. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, or another translation, consider, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Let me, let me, let me, how, let me summarize this. God told Abraham, that he's going to be the father of many nations. And then he looked at his wife, Sarah, who's barren. I mean, she is 90 years old. I don't care scientifically. I don't care whatever. It ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not going to happen. I mean, everybody said, God, you are supernatural, but it, it's not, not going to happen. I mean, look at me. I'm 100 years old. I mean, it's like, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, I mean, you put all together, doctor, it's not going to happen. So Abraham looked at their reality. He looked at his barren wife and looked at himself. He said, God, this is not going to happen. But then he see at the promise of God. So I look at the circumstances and I see all these things. Say, God, I don't understand. You listen to everything. So what happened that on that night, I wrestled with God. One thing about breakthrough, you must learn how to wrestle with God. Not wrestle with your flesh. See, there's, I, I, told, I told the staff, I said, there's two wrestle in the scripture. One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. 
in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, for we are not wrestled, or the word struggle, against flesh and blood. That wrestling is trying to get away from the clamor of the hands of the enemy. You try to pin the enemy down or win the victory. The other wrestle in Old Testament, when Jacob wrestled with God, that wrestle is a wrestle where you come close to him. You cling on him. One wrestle, you try to get away. One wrestle is to cling. Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. One of the key of breakthrough is to learn how to wrestle with God. So I'm, I'm wrestling with God whole night. Try to get his mind. God, what are you saying? What are you doing now? I need to understand. So at true night, no breakthrough. Come day in the morning, wake up. I'm still thinking everything. Then I just began to have a conversation with my wife. And through, that, through everything, and suddenly God began to open up. Breakthrough coming in. Peace of pride come in. On that night, while we were talking with my wife, and she, she, she went out, she came back and said, she said I, I felt that God just said something to me, and the word release. And we know immediately what it means. We've been released from the assignment. And so, I know that God brought here for assignment. Looking back three and a half years, I said, okay, God, because one thing I told God, I said, God, you need to send me to a place where you, you need me there. And you have an assignment for me. And so, I, I, so we felt the peace. I said, God, okay. And when, when the news come, and, and we, we, we felt that we have the word, and we released from assignment, regardless what is it, but we feel God is releasing us to somewhere. Now, do I have a plan B? No. Am I fear, anxiety, all the names? Yes, I do. But I don't ignore it. So what I'm hanging on today is on the word like Abraham hanging on the promise of God. Because his word, Matthew 24, his word will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So I'm hanging on on the word of God. So I'm standing on the promises of God today. You know, First Peter once said that even you, don't, even you don't see Him, you believe in Him. And so even though I don't see God, I believe in Him because my faith is not on the circumstances but on the person of Jesus Christ. Because I know the Bible says He never leave me to forsake me. I know the Scriptures say He's for me, not against me. So I'm standing on that promise and say, God, you love your... God, I, I know I love you as much as I can and I know that you love us. And we, this is not the end, but the beginning of the journey in our life. And so I'm just hanging and standing on the promises, on the Word of God. Do I know when? I have no idea. But I pray it will not be as long as I used to be eight months ago. Because the first time when I resigned, it took me eight months before God bring here. That eight months really a test of faith. Because that eight months, I don't have anything, no salary, no nothing. And God supernaturally brought everything together. And, and, and God provided everything right to the T when I came here. So I say, God, please don't take eight months. 
I mean, can you like make it faster kind of thing? Like, kind of thing? You see, my worriness is not about me. It's not my wife. It's about my children. Because they have to go, because they have admitted to university, now they have to cancel everything and cancel all the scholarship and everything and start all new again. And so I'm not worried about me because, you know, but for them, for their sake. So I told God, say, God, not so much for my sake, but for their sake. That will you fulfill whatever you call us to do kind of thing. I just want to serve God. I just want to, you know, my heart, I, I love radicalness. I like to be in radical. I like to do something out of the box. I'm, I'm, I'm think differently. I do think differently. And I just, I love God so much because, you know, when, when you gave everything away, when your family deny you because of your faith in Jesus Christ, nothing else that I can lose. So, you know, you read all these professionals said, you know, you need to network. You know, you have to put your social media out, everything. I told God, I only have one network, one social media, one Instagram, that is you. I don't have anybody else. So if you want to connect, it's only you I depend to because I want something supernatural. Now, yes, I will walk in practicalness. I will pray if there's any job opening, but I also believe in supernatural. I, you know, I believe that, like I told the staff, like Sean Boats, you know, he called, gave somebody the, the phone number, said, you know, gave, maybe God will give somebody my phone number and call out of blue. I don't know who are you, but I just felt I need to call you. That would be awesome. I mean, that would be so cool. That is God. But I want to be the first, okay? Don't, don't, don't pray that prayer until I get first. Then you can pray that prayer. But I want to be the first to experience that supernatural. I want to be the first to walk into the thing. So will you pray with us as a family? Uh, pray for God's will in our life. Um, where would you like to go? I don't care. Wherever God sent us to. Timbuktu, I don't care. I just want to serve God. I just want to transform life. I just want to stand before God that He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. I, because I love God too much. And I felt, I told the team, I said, I still, my journey has not begun yet. And I have so much to give, to offer. I love you guys. I appreciate you. Um, wherever I go, you're still my family. You know, it has been a good three and a half years experience. I told Pastor Kerr, I said, I learned a lot from him. Learned a lot from every pastor. Every pastor, I learned a lot. And I take everything with me. Kind of thing. Because I'm a learner, I will take everything that I learned. And I think it's a good journey. You know, every time that God takes you to a journey, that's a pit stop or that a, a kind of like a detour. Probably this is my detour. So that God will... will Teach me more. Um, you know, I was thinking, I was say this God, man, sometimes you get old, sometimes it's easy to settle back to the norm and, you know, have a good life. But I guess God wired me so different and I pray to God, they ever, don't ever make me normal. Don't ever, I want to be challenged and this is a new challenge in my life. I'm stepping out by faith again. It is scary. It's a lot. This time, 
not alone, but you have your children with you. There's a lot of liability there. But I, I believe in God. I trust God. His promises are yes and amen. So I challenge you today, if you face with any decision-making dilemma in your life, understand that in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord at all times. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, or NIV said submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. My job is to trust Him and His job is to make my path straight. So my job is to trust God. And every day, I have to remind myself, I have to declare, and every day I ask God, say, God, will you encourage me? Because I learned from King David. Because when King David went to war, he came back, all his children, the wife and property was stolen by the enemy. And now his own people turned back against him and want to kill him. And David went into the place with God and he said he learned how to encourage himself. That's why he, Psalm said, he wrote the Psalm, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And so I have to teach myself, say, God, and I say, soul, why are you discouraged? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And I say, God, will you encourage me? Every single day, say, God, will you encourage me? Will you give me hope? Will you give me peace? Will you give me assurance that you are with me? I don't deny my human feelings, but I line up my feelings with the truth and the promises of God. So I'm like, Abraham, this is impossible. I'm standing on his promises. No, regardless what the circumstances, whatever, whatever the decision has been made, I believe God is sovereign. God is in control. And I told Pastor, I said, this is bigger than any human decision. Because I believe God is in it. Now, you might not believe it, but I always, either you get bitter or angry, or you get better in the God's kingdom. So I want you to learn to respond and believe that God is sovereign in control of everything, regardless what. And that you have to line up with what you feel, you have to line up what you experience with the Word of God, even though you have not yet experienced, even though you have not yet seen the thing come fruition, but you have to stand on the promises of God because you can be at different situations, different circumstances. If you look at things or people, it will fail you, but you look at the Word of God, it will never fail you. And so you have to stand that. Now, how long? I have no idea. Because, what? It takes Abraham about more than 10 years before Isaac came along. Hopefully not. Won't be that long. But because of Abraham's faith in God, because of Abraham standing on the promise, not only God credited his righteousness because of his faith, but because of his obedience, that those that he led, those that underneath him, received the same blessing as him. I said, say, God, okay, let it be so. That I want to obey you, and I want to go where you want me to go. Not only that you fulfill the calling of, in my life, but also calling of those 
that I will touch, people that I will reach out to. And so I just, just as I pray, if you pray with me, I want to pray for all of you. And, I, and Adam, if you want to come up, please. I want to close with this. One thing that you can do, pray for the leadership and eldership. It's not, I know that it's not an easy decision making. If you're part of leadership, it's not never easy. Regardless what decision you make, people, half the people will think you're wrong, half the people not sure. Regardless, mate, that is, that's what leaders is, is to make hard decisions. But you need to understand that God is always sovereign over leadership. Regardless good or evil leaders, God always sovereign over them. The most important that you have to have the right attitude towards God and the right attitude towards the authority and authorities. You have to. Because someday, someone will be underneath you. And you don't want that person to have the wrong attitude towards you. You have to keep your heart pure. You have to keep your motive right before God. That you don't harbor bitterness or angry before God. That you need to, you need to go off. Whether if you will lay off other job, secular job, that you have to have a right. You have to be gracious, integritous before God. Whether it's your wrongdoing or your own doing or something else, you must have a right, pure heart before God. If you did something wrong, then you need to repent. If you didn't do anything wrong, then you say, God, bless the leadership. Honor them. Pray for them daily as they continue to make any, the other decision. So I pray, I pray, I, I hope that you hear my heart, that you hear, hear from our family. This is not another waste of three and a half years, but it's a place of growing, place of learning, place of launching. I'm, we come with expectancy of great things God will do in and through us. We're not hopeless, but we're hopeful wherever we go, kind of thing. So I want to close with this. Some of you might have been in position that you have to make to decide what God's will for your life. Maybe you have circumstances, situation that you're believing for, but He seems to be hopeless as though God never come through. Whether your life or something you pray for, you said, man, God is so impossible. I don't see how you come through this thing. I try everything. It seems to be the door closed and every door I walk through is closed, closed, closed. You know when door is closed, is God answering prayer too? Right? And God said, I told God, say God, if that's not your will, close every door. I just need one door to open. I don't have to 20 doors, just one. And when you open that door, give me discernment and wisdom to walk through it. When I came here, I never considered like, you know, that's a, you build a resume and then go to another job. No. Every place I go, I give wholeheartedly. I give everything as though God is calling me there. There's no plan B. But sometimes some of you here say, God, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to do. I have no idea what will be tomorrow. Perhaps, I learned one thing. Perhaps, tomorrow is your day of breakthrough.
perhaps tomorrow the prayer that you pray come to pass. Perhaps what you hope for, what you've been want to see that breakthrough, perhaps tomorrow is your day. Perhaps tomorrow or perhaps today. God will see that through. So I was close before I hand to Pastor Kirk. I'm going to open this altar. You can kneel, stand, whatever. If you are praying for a breakthrough, I'm praying along with you. If you're praying for a breakthrough, and you say, God, I need a breakthrough. Because I don't understand a lot of things, but I just need a breakthrough to know what is your will for my life in the circumstances, in my family, in my children. I just put my trust in you 100%. And will you make the way or the path straight for me? Amen? Can you bow with me? Lord, I thank you that you are an awesome God. Your ways are higher than our ways. As the scripture said, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God, we may plan, but you have the last word. God, I just thank you so much for us how good you are. Thank you for the church, for their blessing, for their prayer, for their honor, encouragement and support for the leadership. God, thank you for all these years. How you let me see another aspect of you in each one of them here. And how you grow me and taught me so much. God, I thank you. In you, there is no retirement. And I pray that God, each one, everyone in this place that is wanting for breakthrough, fighting for breakthrough, I pray even today that they will see your hand of grace be upon their lives. And I pray even before this week end that they will see the prayer answer in your life. Whatever seems impossible to them, that you make a way where there seems to be no way. God, we thank you, Jesus Christ. You never, never back down from your words. And you always fulfill everything according to your will and your purpose. So I thank you, Jesus Christ, for how good you are and how awesome you are. I love you, Jesus. I love you and I love you. There's no one that I'd rather be is to be with you, God. So I give the leadership and this church, I pray you will bless them. I pray you will anoint them. I pray to God, the presence of God will manifest more than ever before. That from here, many more lives will be changed, transformed, saved, discipled, and sent out. That this county will change because of you. We ask you, God, to bless Pastor Kirk and the staff, the pastoral, the eldership, the deacons. And God, I pray that you pour out your abundant blessing upon their life. I praise you. I honor you. 
and I worship you. In Jesus' name. Pastor Kirk. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.